All right, so welcome back to another episode of Talk Matters. This one is actually episode 18. We thought the last episode was going to be like a full episode, so we called it 18, but really it was just an update. Yeah, so that's, even though that was technically the 18th episode, we're just going to go ahead and uh, make that, I guess, I don't know, what do you want to call it, 17 and a half? Or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. So this will actually be uh, episode 18. Yeah, so you had an interesting topic you wanted to talk about. Yeah, so... I know we probably won't release this for maybe a day or two, but yeah. uh, today today the recording it on is actually Veterans Day or Veterans Day, however you want to pronounce it. But um, yeah, so you know we're real big with veterans, obviously like with uh, roasted coffee and you know supporting them and the owners there. But just in general, I know in my family I've had several veterans. Um, it's really makes me real proud, you know, that I had people. Um, or had and have people um, that are veterans. So it, it, it means a lot to me. And I know yesterday was the Marines' birthday. I think their founding, I believe it was uh, 243 years. Yeah, 243 years for the Marines yesterday. You know, and, you know, originally, you know, Veterans Day was, uh, you know, supposed to be like Armistice, was originally Armistice Day. So it's supposed to be the, you know, pretty much um, to end World War One, And obviously, unfortunately, that didn't, stay you know the end of war end all wars that that long but um you know eventually then they switched it to veterans day so yeah so i just yeah. you know say thank you to all the veterans especially my family members yeah. i like to say thank you too i've got i've had family and i've had friends that have served and i think i still have some that are serving i haven't talked to them in a while yeah yeah and i have a couple cousins as well that have served and that are serving too so um and some friends so yeah you know we really appreciate it um but yeah so i guess kind of going with that topic i know i kind of want to talk about the show actually i've been watching and uh i'm on episode four uh-huh. it's on netflix it's called um they just come out too like i saw yeah, it came out like november 9th yeah it just came out um a few days ago and it's called uh medal of honor and it's about it's like different stories about the Medal of Honor re- recipients, and uh, just like it, literally had me in tears just because, just to sh- and a lot of it was really moving too because, out of the stories, I'm going on episode four, and the three I watched, two of the three were um, minority Americans. So the first one was about um, an African American who um, got the Medal of Honor uh, during. Uh, World War Two, and he got it um, pretty much, basically, long story short, back then they're segregated, you know, uh, the military segregated, so um, it sucked because, like, this guy, his name was, his last name was Carter, uh, let me see here, I have it pulled up, so, yeah, so Alan Carter Jr., so basically what happened was, long long story short about his background, but he pretty much didn't even really grow up in the United States. Like he moved there later, but he was African American and he pretty much just served when he was 15 years old. He fought like two separate wars, not even for America, for other countries. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Like he volunteered just like went in. So he, I mean, he had several years worth of combat experience before just serving in other militaries around the world. So then he eventually, you know, he, he enlisted, but see back then they viewed, 
you know, African Americans as not good like fighters and good co- like good guys to rely on in combat, which of course like back then just everything, you know, everything was pretty ignorant. Yeah. So, but this guy, you know, he was a sergeant and he was pretty much. They realized we need more guys because there's a lot of people getting killed over overseas during World War Two. So then eventually they let the African Americans actually fight because they were allowed to be like mechanics or cooks or whatever non-combat roles. So then they actually had him and you know African Americans. You know they could volunteer, but what sucked was they all if they wanted to. Um, go in a combat role they had to demote themselves back to private and he was a sergeant originally Jeez. so he had to basically he found the guy all right you can do it but you have to go down to private and he's like all right so he goes back in and pretty much long story short they're like there's pretty much them and a small group of guys and they had to go scout this road in germany like right as it was towards the very end of the war and yeah pretty much it was like him and uh Three three other African American soldiers decide that they want to go try to um, take on. They didn't know, they didn't realize that there were a lot of Germans, but they pretty much just like him and three or four other African Americans decide they want to try to take on this like small little base of uh, Germans. And pre- three of the four guys get killed, um, and then he's the only guy left. And pretty much, he gets shot a bunch of times, and he pretty much kills like twenty or thirty guys by himself. That's insane. And then he. And, like, he gets shot a bunch of times, and they think he's dead. They're looking for him in, like, this tall grass area. And at that point, he'd already killed, like, dozens of them. And then he gets up after he's already been shot a bunch of times. And a grenade, like, blew up on him and stuff. And he just gets up and just kills, like, six more Germans. Like, it's crazy. And then, which was crazy, though, about the whole thing was his superiors told him and, like, his family, like, yeah, he deserves the Medal of Honor, but they'll never give it to an African-American male. They'll never do it. So they, gave him, so they gave him the second highest, which I believe is the Distinguished Service Cross, which is the second highest um, you can get in the military. But then eventually, then during actually the Clinton era, then they went back and they, you know, after he had passed away, because he passed away like in the 60s due to like, he had like shrapnel in his neck. So they thought, you know, he passed away in the 60s after the war, but they think it had something to do with actually oh, okay. during that because of that. So, hmm. so you know, they gave it to his, I'm going to guess it was his oldest son. So his son was his son was 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 elderly at the time as well when he received that awards because I was in the '90s. So, but then like the last one was about a guy, and, um, he's a Japanese American and he wanted to serve uh, during World War II, but obviously they didn't trust the Japanese during World War II, mm-hmm. and he was Japanese American and they just wouldn't. But but then they let him fight in Korea and pretty much his name, which I have it saved up here too. My phone will work. <clears throat> his name, um, his nickname was Hershey, but they called him, or his nickname was Hershey, but his first name was uh, Hiroshi. Uh, I think it's Miyamura. Um, mm-hmm. He's actually still alive. He's he's old. He's How ni- old? He's ninety three right now. So he's actually still alive. But pretty much during the first Korean War, they had. Pretty much they had them pretty much in North Korea at the time before it was captured by the North Koreans. And they had to, it was like him and like five or six guys on one side of this like hill. And then like about 500 yards, they had another machine gun nest. And they had to pretty much fight off like a thousand Chinese soldiers. And and it was like him, I mean, it's pretty much all his guys died. And then it was just him. And he ended up uh, by himself pretty much killing, like, hundreds. By himself, hundreds of Chinese soldiers because they were coming from China trying to come in to help capture for, like, you know, communism and stuff. Mm. 
and like he'd been he was a prisoner of war and he and he saved saved one of his friends and i mean he's just by himself you know taking out these these chinese these chinese soldiers that are rushing at him bull rushing him running up this hill at him and he's just got a machine gun just doing work he got trapped in barbed wire he got blown up by like artillery and he was still going yeah, and he, he saved all of his friends. He, like, carried his one friend, like, 10 miles. Oh, you know what? No, I've heard that story before. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he was. Yeah. It like, started making sense right up until you, like, right when you said yeah. uh, the carrying part. I was like, oh, yeah, I've definitely heard that story before. Yeah. That's a so, whole different mentality. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially, and like I said, like, that, that, like, really moved me because it's like those guys were their own country at that time mm-hmm. didn't trust them and didn't like them but yet they still they still were so patriotic and they still believed in being american so yeah you know and they just had a they they just have an attitude that you know i you know i would say most americans do have but i mean especially i think it'd be hard for me if i was a minority especially back then to have that like you know this country keeps screwing me over why should I help them? But, you know, they didn't view it that way. So not only that, but just their heroic acts and war to save their, to save their brothers in combat is, like I said, I just wish that, you know, everybody had that mentality. So, yeah, that's uh, like I just said, but, it's a whole different, yeah, but it's definitely game, a whole different mentality. Yeah. It's, it's, that's probably, this is probably the best documentary I've seen in a while. So it's really good. So, I recommend anyone to uh, look at it, and I'm advertising Netflix, but <laughs> I will say that you know this show is awesome, so I definitely rec- definitely recommend it. The reenactments are really good. The historical things behind it are extremely accurate, and it's really cool because they they have excuse me they have like a lot of the time they have their family and stuff on there interview their family like now, so it might be like their great grandkids or whatever. So it's pre- it's really really cool. It's re- yeah. really good, really accurate. Document um, documentary, and even if you're not into documentary documentaries, it's actually really interesting. So, yeah, I saw there's a guy who played. Oh uh, man, what's his name? He's a comedian. He played on Parks and Rec. Uh huh. And he, let me look him up real quick. He's actually in I think episode four, and that's how I heard about it because I follow him on Instagram. Yeah, they had um on that they interviewed couple generals like think what's his name general petraeus or whatever so this guy right here guy his name Cena is ben schwartz okay this guy oh yeah i think that's the one i'm about to watch yeah well he, the story is pretty heroic it's pretty amazing i don't remember all of it so i'm not gonna talk about it because i don't want to butcher it but yeah um that's what made me realize oh yeah there's a new series out i could probably take a look at yeah it's it's excellent i recommend medal of honor to to watch for anybody to watch it it's very very good um because it's you know it's like i always say you know a lot of those a lot of them didn't make it a lot of unfortunately a lot of these men and women didn't make it but and i i mean we wouldn't be here right now even doing this podcast if it wasn't for the for for these people so yeah my dad was on the phone with his dad today and i had to and i um i was like you know thank you for your service yeah i feel bad i don't remember which war it mm-hmm. was but he was a police officer mm-hmm. yeah so i think he was stationed in germany at one point yeah but yeah yeah super cool guy yeah and then i know i want to talk about too 
you know, kind of going along with, with all this is, um, just like PTSD with a lot of these soldiers returning home, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot, like a lot of them. And I remember, um, I watched a show, the Pacific, which is just like band of brothers. And it's, you know, that's also written and that's based on a true story. And not so much today, but especially back then, you know, we didn't know a lot about PTSD, you know, they call it shell shock and, and, other, and it had other names, but you know, they get nightmares and stuff at night, and, you know, and now, now you look at it and these, these guys are losing their minds. You look at the, the shooting in California, like that guy was a decorated soldier mm-hmm. and he just like lo- lost it, yeah. you know, he went on like a shooting rampage and I don't know, I just, I feel that our, our veterans a lot of the time really do get the shaft. I they're, just, they're a hundred percent not well t- taken care of. No. And uh, so I, I mean like it, it makes me mad. Like, I mean, I don't know how to really express this without, I don't know. I'm just going to try. So I obviously have t- a ton of, give a ton of credit to people who join the military, no matter what branch, because it's a thing that I never would have the courage for. And everyone gives them props for doing this stuff, but when they come back, they don't do anything for them. Yeah, they don't. It doesn't. It, that it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, if you're really that supportive of them, you need to be doing more. Like, yeah. Like I know we have the GI Bill and all that, but and like yeah, there's the VA and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, but why does but you know why does someone have to drive 40 miles just to get services for being a veteran? Like, why can't they go to like a normal hospital? There's, I don't know stuff like that i've been around people who who military people who have ptsd i've watched full-blown ptsd before it's it's disturbing like and it's not even like a mean thing it's more of like why can't we get these guys the resources that they need right i mean and it's one of those things it's like are they getting I don't even. I can't even give you an accurate answer. Like, that's literally just me speaking. I know, yeah. I'm not expecting an answer. I just think that no. I, I no. I understand. I'm just saying, is the VA hospital better than what it? I would guess it would be a little bit from like you know even like from a long time ago. But especially like with a lot of these guys, you know, coming back like from Iraq and Afghanistan, even recently, mm. you know, how are how are how is the VA treating them? You know, now versus say the guys come back from Vietnam. I mean, is it that much better? Is it the same? Is it? You know what I mean? Yeah, I wish I knew. I, I would like to say that I hope it'd be better since we have more technology and more resources and yeah, more social work based stuff and psychologists. But right, like I remember seeing. I'm not going to disclose where, but I remember mm-hmm. seeing this guy who was in the military who wasn't anymore, and he slept like how they usually slept they had to be posted up so mm-hmm. he slept up against a, a pillar with one knee up and he's just like someone's like well is he all right and everyone's like well yeah but don't wake him you know because mm-hmm. god forbid you wake him we don't know what he's gonna do because he might and he's and he's talking about how he, he doesn't sleep anymore because all he does is have night terrors of everything that he saw like yeah and he's like heavily medicated just to stay like slightly somewhat sane yeah that's I mean, that's horrible. I mean, I think that just, like, with PTSD just in general, mm-hmm. not just for combat veterans, but for oh, people, yeah. I yeah. think, I still just think it it's still not fully understood. There's no way it is, because I feel like a lot of these, excuse me, I feel like a lot of these drugs, though, that are prescribed are just, they're not, they're not doing 
Well, what do you mean not like, fully understood? Like, I still feel like because you have a lot of these guys that have PTSD and they have it their whole life. Yeah. You know, it's not like something, it's not like, say, you get some sort of disease and it gets cured and you never get it again. You don't well, have to yeah, worry about it. A, like, it's, right, not, it's a mental disorder. Right. Like, there's I just, no cure for yeah, Right. There's only things that can help help relieve. manage it. Yeah. Right. To manage it. Like, same thing with like anxiety and depression. Right. Like, like with all that. I mean, the like mind is beyond whatever anxiety meds, but it's still going to be there. It just lowers it. Right. I mean, I just wish there was a way that we could just get rid of get rid of those, you know. I, I wish there was too, but really what they do is because from my own personal experience with my own PTSD that I have is I have to like I okay, so I'm never going to compare my PTSD to like people from who've suffered PTSD from war and stuff like that. I have my own personal issue. Okay. What I do is I push myself to feel it. It sucks. Mm-hmm. I'm not telling them to do it cuz what they experienced was way more tragic than what I did, but what what therapy has taught me and what psychologists have taught me is i mean to just let yourself feel it and it's gonna suck but you have to sit through it and it's there but then you work on coping mechanisms to work on how to deal with it right but like i said i will never experience the ptsd the amount that they have so i'm not telling them they should be doing that because I'm no trained psychologist. It's just how I deal with mine. Mine's not too well of theirs, so. Right. Yeah, and I mean, then I know we've talked about the homeless and whatnot on mm-hmm. the show, too. And, you know, you do see a lot of homeless veterans out there, and it's because, you know, it's just like any, because they have PTSD, and they don't know how to manage it, or, you know, a lot of them try to get over it themselves with drinking or whatever, and it's caused alcoholism or drug addiction or whatever, and they still have the PTSD, and, you know, it causes them, obviously, their family to get upset with them, and they couldn't handle them anymore, and then subsequently, sub, you know what I'm trying to say. Subsequently. <laughs> yes. That's oh, all right. I feel like Charlie. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway. He'll adapt. Yeah, I'll adapt. So, you know, they, they end up, you know, on the street, so. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know too many programs, but I honestly think there should be some sort of, like, re-entering the world type of, like, yeah. re-entering society type of program because you go away for so long and that's all you know for however many, how long you're deployed, and then you come back and you're expected to kind of just, like, deal with life and every other day stressors and it's not people shooting at you anymore it's now it's just like financial stress work stress and like mm-hmm. actually trying to find a job or like how oh, to like, re how to uh, i guess you could say appropriately be in in public yeah and, how to do the transition into yeah, the civilian world yeah because it's a lot like different that. you're going from we're having to worry about an ied attack IED attack today and then to, you know then a week or two or whatever mm. or a year when you get back the next well, like you just have to worry about you know just trying to you know pay your bills or something yeah, right. you know or right. trying to get a job or trying to or a lot I know a lot of veterans they'll go to they'll go back to school or they'll go to school yeah. using their GI bill and then they have to worry about you know studying and stuff so mm-hmm. I mean you know you know I know we talked a lot about combat veterans and all that another ptsd and all that but you know there are a lot of people though that i i recognize all veterans you know even if they were just a mechanic my grand yeah. my grandfather 
he worked during still doing a great service yeah my grandfather he was he was um at the time i believe they called it a tech sergeant but all he pretty much did was he worked on the tanks and the guns and putting like all that stuff together um but again like that's a huge that's a huge job i mean you need to have someone do that yeah so even just because if you're not part of combat or whatever doesn't mean you haven't contributed service you know mm-hmm. so because so, i want to make that clear now because i know not everyone in the military was in a combat role right so i know obviously i know in the marines they say you're you know a rifleman first pretty much and then whatever job you are second so i'm pretty sure that's i'm pretty sure that's how that's handled but i remember um i was studying with one of my a few of my friends when we attended toledo and uh my buddy was in the army i don't think he was doing anything actively at that point mm-hmm. and we we're studying and uh, a group of people come in and we we're talk. we had been talking about like war and stuff like that and uh this girl overheard and this was so awkward she in the, the blatant disregard of like his feelings she goes did you ever kill anyone and do you know anyone that died and he looked at her he was like he said something like that's none of your business and you don't ask people stuff like that yeah and we reamed her she left i mean like she kept saying it was an honest mistake i'm like you can say that till you're blue in the face but you don't ask someone that like yeah why why is that something that interests you like well that's something he had to do right or or didn't do you know i don't know he never told me i'm a close friend of him right so yeah yeah, I think that's, you don't... There's certain things you ask and there's cer- certain things you don't ask. Right. And I think even, I know, like, I know we're kind of in the veteran, talking about veterans and war and that type of stuff and the soldiers, but, like, I know, too, that PTSD has claimed a lot of lives of, like, first responders, too. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a story that was told to me... Um, by it was uh, by a, a a trooper actually when I was in my first academy and well he told to our whole class and it was like one of his buddies was a deputy I don't even know where it was but pretty much he was like he was always on time to work he received like tons of medals and like awards and like every like he was like the guy to go to trustworthy the community loved him he was a great guy. And then he just, he went to a scene where there was like a little infant that it was like their house, people's house was on fire or something like that. And like, you know, he, he found the baby in there and then he carried the baby out and then the baby like pretty much was so burned, like its skin, like burned to his skin and like the baby pretty much like died in his arms. Mm -hmm. And like from that point on, he just, um that deputy he started like national to work on time started like you know not getting along with people he worked with his bosses and all that and eventually and he'd be you know and he would go to his friend he'd say man are you okay like what's going on he's like oh nothing man i'm fine but pretty much turns out and then one day he came to work and his his arms were all bloody on both sides mm. like just blood like dude what is wrong with your arms like what he caught himself no what it was was he um he just couldn't get past that the that little infant's skin being burned to his skin so he had it in his mind that it was still on there so he would scratch his arms uh, to try yeah. to get 
even though it wasn't there obviously mm-hmm. anymore. But yeah, he did that for years, and then you know, and he was he was like that guy that was like a family family dad, a family guy. You know, he was you know he was like a you know real close with his wife and his kids. But eventually, like he got developed a drinking problem, and then his wife divorced him, and he lost custody of his kids, and then. And then eventually, you know, he ended up just he ended up just killing himself after that. And they tried to help him and everything. Once they finally got out of him, it was bothering him after several years. And just it just it, even though he got the help, it was almost to the point where it was just too late. Yeah. So, yeah. So I mean, sad stuff. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. I just I think that with military and first responders, just I don't know. I just think it's. Because I, I hate I hate when people go, well they should have known what they signed up for. To me, that is like the biggest just disrespectful thing you can say to a military or first responder. Because the soldier and a first responder sign up for what they do because it's not because they hate criminals and they hate the Taliban or whoever, ISIS, whoever. No, they do that because they love the people behind them. That's mm-hmm. why, and they want to serve their country and their communities. So for them, those people to say that, that just, to me, that's one thing that really pisses me off when I hear people say that. Because I see, I hear that a lot, and I've been hearing it a lot recently too, and it's just super disrespectful and just super ignorant because that's not true at all. You know, mm-hmm. they do it because, like, and then especially too, in the heat <clears throat> of the moment, they're doing it, they put themselves on the line. And I was talking about the Model of Honor thing, that show like at that moment in time they were they were putting their bodies on the line because they love their brothers next to them and you know and then like you know police officers and firefighters and paramedics they do that job because all the people they work with you know it's it's out of like respect right they're gonna go out there Mm -hmm. and they're gonna you know yeah help help the citizens but also too they're gonna if some if someone's if your buddies are getting shot at you know you're you're gonna be making sure that you're going to do whatever it takes so to make sure that they go home safe so right. but it's just it just it gets really frustrating though when you hear that and then and then on top of that then you add in the stress of the job just the like all the paperwork and just your personal life and then all that other sort of thing so and then yeah i think we've gotten better i know like in the civilian side like being you know providing emotional and and all that sort of support we could talk to somebody, whatever, but like I said, I think military, for the military, we could be able, at least from what I've seen, I think we could we could do better. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I still never forget that story. I saw, I think it was last year or two years ago. Mm-hmm. This guy was trying to get, um, like, services for his, I think, like, PTSD, some of his injury, injuries he had sustained and stuff like that. No one would help him. He had to go to a VA hospital that was like forty miles away. I'm like, that should like no, for, that should for happen. someone who who is voluntarily signing up because we don't have the draft to mm-hmm. go do what he did. Yeah, should not have to drive forty miles no. to go get services. You know, we we applaud and we give thanks to these men and women that serve, and then when they don't come, when they come home, we don't do anything for them. Yeah, or do very minimal. Well, okay, yeah, I should say we do. The minimum, bare minimum, at least. I th- I think like every hospital should have some sort mm-hmm. of thing that's just dedicated. I mean, yeah, I, I, I I mean, completely agree. Like where they have like psychologists that just all they do is specialize in 
people that have been in war that have PTSD that have been in the military. And I know there's like some private organizations that do that where, where they're like, you know, you can come talk to me. And there's been like veterans that they want other veterans to come talk to them about stuff, which is great. But I just think that we need to make it so that it, it's, it's basically like mandatory for these places to do that. So we can, so that these veterans have a chance when they get back, especially the real severe cases. Yeah. So, I mean, I've learned throughout different therapies that most, I mean, like you can have a degree in like psychology or you know counseling and all that stuff, but a lot of people attach themselves to psychologists and therapists that are, have had some experience with whatever yeah. you're dealing with. Yeah. So like I know for alcoholics, like a lot of them go to, to like recovered alcoholics or drug addicts that are yeah. now the psychologists and stuff because they have empathy not so much sympathy where you know maybe a therapist or psychologist might have more sympathy might be like try to give you some sort of advice that they learned throughout their years in college whereas you've got someone who's been through what they've been through and like they, they give them that sense of feeling like oh i'm not the only one who's ever been through so like definitely you know, like a, a va psychologist that's been through some mm-hmm. of that stuff could definitely help. Yeah. I think personally. I think it's, you know, it's one thing to just like study psychology or whatever and become a psychologist, mm-hmm. but I think it's another thing when you've actually experienced it. Yeah. And you get to learn to understand it and then you figure out how to help people that have went through or have gone through the same things that you have. Right. And I think that's, to me, that's, that's really important just when it comes down to just helping, helping these people. Cause like you said, a lot of them are going to have more sympathy than empathy. Yeah. Um, so, so I totally agree with that. Totally agree. <laughs> so I'm going to go out of left field here just to kind of reel in what we're talking about. Like, mm-hmm. like being, um, connected to the therapist or something like something like that. Yeah. Um, so, I had like last year mm-hmm. I was driving to Akron I had a really bad panic attack uh, and I had to pull over and like called 911 and all this stuff. And I, I think I remember you told me this. Yeah. I had no idea what was going on. I had never experienced a panic attack that like that that severe before. So really? yeah. So um, I call an ambulance, whatever it go to Medina hospital right there mm-hmm. and I'm fine at this point. Like I'm starting to calm down. My, my Ativan, like what helps me calm down from panic attacks is kicking in. And I go in there. My mom meets me in there and I'm talking and whatever. And then they bring in a therapist. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh God. Like I've been going to see therapists since I was like 11. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, so this guy comes in I'm like, whatever. But now I'm starting to feel kind of loopy because they gave me Ativan. They ejected it, though, instead of giving uh-huh, it so to like mouth. Direct. So I, you didn't even get a chance to ease in. It's just yeah, like, no. So I was like, oh, right man. Into the I literally said to my mom, like, everything's starting to slow down. <laughs> She's like, well, they just gave you Ativan. I was like, they did? Because I usually take it via mouth. Yeah, all right. And like, yeah, they, shot it, they shot it into your bloodstream. I was yeah. like, oh, man. So anyways, this guy comes in, and I told Andy I wasn't really going to disclose this until we got a little bit further, but since this will just help the story okay the therapist and i are talking and i go he's like what's something you're proud of i'm like i think at this point i might have been almost a year sober and he's like yeah i understand and i like looked at him and he's like 
I'm uh, a year and a half sober. And I was like, that's, that meant the world to me because someone now I, I felt bonded with him. Right. So that he, and then, and you could build that trust because now, you know, he knows exactly what you were going through. Yeah. Cause I told him, I was like, I never had this before. Yeah. This bad because I used to just like drink to just deal with it. So now, um, I just have to deal with it with like anti-anxiety meds and stuff like that. You can get, so right. like they're just, you know, connecting. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad that's weird. That's weird. I didn't think I was ever going to disclose that on here. No, I'm glad you were comfortable enough to to share that. Yeah. I mean, we'll probably have uh, some addiction stuff later down the line, but yeah. Yeah. So I think that's another kind of important topic, but I really just wanted to say that just to show the kind of relationship you can build with a therapist that has been through something like that instead of just going to a four year, five year school. Yeah. Right. You know, Sure, I mean, obviously you you need that. I mean, probably per policies and well, all that, law, whatever. But Yeah, but I mean, like, I get it. I think most, I can't speak for all therapists, but I think most therapists get into that because they've had something happen to them and they want to They want to help, help people that have that feel the same way or have gone through similar things, for sure. Mm-hmm. Which I think that's good, like, to have people that are willing to, to not only open up about it but to help people i think that's that's huge because like you said you know it's it's hard to talk about that type of stuff yeah i was actually kind of like uh i wasn't trembling but i was like well sure you had to play it back in your head so that you can explain what it was like so obviously then that's oh to him or mm, just now just well both because you had to go back and you'd explain to him and then right now you know you're 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 doing it's, it on the podcast. Yeah. And I'll I'll say I'm I'm two years and some odd months sober, but like it's still kinda weird to talk and hard to talk about sometimes. Sure. But um because when you when you use the word sober, at least to me, it kicks back everything right that I've done to get to that point. So like all my memories pop up when that word comes up. So it gets a little hard sometimes, but it's all right. Yeah. But I mean you know, you as a person going through that, though, you know, kind of, I guess, going, saying, well, you know, what we're talking about, kind of putting it together, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it was nice, though, like how we kind of said that you had someone that could come down to your level that could understand what you're saying. And going back to, like, our veterans, you know, I think that's something, you know, they have a lot of foundations. I know they have a lot of, like I said, there's, like, groups, and there's tons of organizations. There's, like, the Wounded Warriors that you can donate Max money to. Warriors. Yeah. There's all sorts, you know, I know a lot. Of, I, see a, I see a lot. I do it sometimes. I don't do it every Friday, but they wear, they do wear red on Friday, that type of stuff. So, I mean, I don't do I don't. I don't have enough red, but I do <laughs> I do try to wear red on Fridays periodically. Okay. So, it's really important. So, because, like, our veterans, you know, I work with a lot of veterans, and, um, you know, veterans just in general tend to be that person that wants to always strive to be the top and the best because that's the mentality they've always had and that's what was instilled with them yeah so um which creates everyone creates people everyone around them better so yeah i agree yeah but so i like i said i i have a huge i have just utmost respect for our veterans and um, you know, I'm not going to go into the kneeling for the flag stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, 
you know, like I will say, I mean, everyone has their own opinion, whatever, but I will say that, you know, just our veterans are, are every, are, I mean, this I mean, we're founded on, on people, you know, putting their lives on the line every day. So, yeah. So, and like I said, I just think we need to have more support system for them coming back. I know, I know places like employ, employ, employment wise, man, if I could talk today, <laughs> uh, employment wise have been really like trying to push to hire vets, which I think is really cool, you know, and I think especially to, you know, you know, cause it, I could only imagine like how people came back during Vietnam, you know, get like, where like social workers probably not really a th- like that. Yeah, probably big. the sixties. Yeah. yeah, I mean, our, I mean, I would have to say probably in the sixties was probably had to have been the most troubling time besides the Civil War in this country during that era, just because not only did you have the civil rights movement going on, but you had just turmoil going on, like in Vietnam, these veterans coming back. Could you imagine being an African American soldier coming back from Vietnam? People already don't like you because of your yep. skin color. And then they really don't like you on top of that because you fought in Vietnam. So you're getting spit on and all sorts of stuff like that. Like, Well, so here's my thing. Unreal. When I think about those stories and then I, I think about what – it, it tears me apart. It breaks my heart to think that men and women like that, when they're on their deathbed, that's what their life was destined to be. That's what happened to them during their life, going to war when they didn't have a choice, and yeah. then and then coming back and getting spit on and still being hated for because of the color of your skin. I mean, like, you, you make the best of what you have, but like, yeah. At some point, how does how does that not resonate with you for the rest of your life? Like, yeah, that's in the back of your mind. Like, I just served my country and I came back and got spat on and I still wasn't allowed to pee. Same bathroom. No, wasn't allowed to vote. Wasn't I was allowed, allowed to, to go to the same drinking fountain. I was had to sit in the back of the how bus. How ridiculous! To, yeah, and it's crazy because, kind of going back to like, this is a little off topic, but kind of going back to, uh, I was talking about that uh, that Sergeant Carter, back to African American soldier, soldier who got the Medal of Honor, but like, they were talking about there would be African American like military police. That would be guarding in like cities, like these the Germans that have been arrested, for, you know, prisoner of wars, mm-hmm. and those prisoner of wars got treated better than African American soldiers. Like they would kick off African American soldiers, like and African American citizens off buses, like oh we have to, you know, let these uh, POW Germans uh, on the bus. You guys got to get off, and kick. So they treated these prisoner of wars, these Nazis better back that's then ridiculous than the actual african-american and the african-american soldier which is just blows my mind and then which was also crazy was they were saying that there were people at the time up until the 90s that there were african-american soldiers from like the civil war like all the way up to like currently mm-hmm. they got more medals than just in world war Two. there were more soldiers in this african-american soldiers that got awarded the medal of honor than in world war Two. like that's insane there were zero up until yeah there were guys from that when to when it would have been like from the 18 was that like the 1850s and 60s or whatever till pretty much like the 90s 
So they said in World War II, up until the Clinton administration went in, and they pretty much they had like some doctor go in and they wanted to like go and evaluate and the doctor came back he's like yeah he goes there's not one african-american in world war ii that got the medal of honor so they had like there's a bunch that got the distinguished service cross which is like the second highest but there's zero so they went back and i'm pretty sure all those guys that got that that distinguished service cross i'm pretty sure most if not all got it promoted up to the medal of honor which like i said in this case sergeant carter's case i don't I mean, I don't care. I don't care what color skin you are. If you're going and doing like all that crazy stuff to mm-hmm. protect to protect your guys and all that, that's above and uh, that's above and beyond the Call of Duty right yeah, there. Yeah, for sure. So I don't know, but I think kind of going back to what you said about how, um, like, is it better? You know, like with you know, like or how, um, you know, imagine dying and well, yeah, you know, uh. You got spit on all that. You have to remember, though, with that being said, a lot of it, like, nowadays, they're appreciated. You know what I mean? A lot of those guys that oh. that fought in Vietnam, they're most, most – I mean, they're starting to die off because, you know, that well, was back in the 60s. But, yeah, they're, I mean, now a lot – I mean, they have a whole memorial to them now. Um, you know, we, we honor them how we honor all of our veterans now. So, I mean, I don't want to say, like, we've made up for it fully, mm-hmm. but, you know, they definitely at the time were not treated the way they should have been. Just because well, and it's, it makes me mad that they're, like, blaming, they're blaming these Viet, the, like, the soldiers going to Vietnam for, like, for fighting in that war. It's like, they didn't have a choice. Yeah, like, I know. Well, that's what I'm thinking, like, I mean, some you, of them did imagine being on the front line, knowing that. Like oh, they, no they one hate cares it. for you because of your skin color, but you have to fight for your country anyways. Yeah, I can't even imagine that thought process. Yeah, and then also even for like if you're, even if you're you know, Asian American or just white American or whatever, um, or Hispanic American, even back at that time, and you're fighting, and they're just like they hate me at home, and I'm just and I'm fighting this war, yeah. like whether you know some of them obviously volunteered, but a lot of them did not. So were there? Did they expect? Like to come home to, like, applause and stuff like that. I don't know about that. Or I don't know if it was expect, I mean, but there was. I watched some movie where they are coming back from. I I forget. I was. I don't, I don't want to butcher it, but and this guy's like wheeling around another veteran. Oh, that's air, that's the airport. That's probably um. We were soldiers. Okay, and like yeah. no, everyone's just yeah. walking past them. Yeah, yeah, that was that movie. Yeah. That yeah, so and that was like sad. a real thing. And that was like the very, very beginning. And then towards the end, it was just like horrible. They're just like calling them like like baby killers and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And it's just, it, it's, to me, that's just, that's not acceptable at all. Mm-hmm. So, and like I said, I think we've done better kind of, I, I don't want to say making up for the behavior of some people. But I do think that we have shown them we appreciate them more than originally. So, right on. But yeah, so I just think we just have to continue sh- showing them support, not just you know thanking them, but giving them more services. I think, I, like I said, I think we've evolved. I think we've done better. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a lot more that needs to be done, and especially when it comes to like their mental health. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that part's huge, because that's not something you can erase from someone's mind. Right. 
Like you can medicate it and maintain it uh, to a certain right. point. And that's kind of what I was saying before is it's yeah. not like some disease you can just get rid of oh, completely. That's, uh, that's what I've told people. Like I go to therapy. I'm not afraid to admit it, but like I go to therapy and I get out of therapy feeling great, but I know I'm going to feel great for probably about 24 hours after that session. Yeah. It's so I tell people it's not like a broken bone where someone can put fix a cast it, on stitch it, me up, put a cast good. on. And then after however many, however long it'll go away, it'll be back to somewhat normal. I, that doesn't happen with mental health. Yeah. And I mean, I wish, I wish, you know, I wish there was a way you could, <laughs> there was like a pill. You could just get rid of it. Yeah. Just like a race, whatever it was. That'd be wonderful. Just a race. What was bothering you, you know? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's it's not the case. It's not the case. I don't want to get into like a whole thing, but I honestly think sometimes it makes it worse. What's that? Medication. I do too. Um, and that's only that's from personal experience. That's not just me. Like yeah, uh, <coughs> CBD. <coughs> yeah. Anyways, <laughs> um, but because it's kind of like a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. I mean. There are so many different types of anti-anxiety, antidepressant medicines. You know, you're kind of like a rab lat. You try some, and if it gets into your system and it's working for a little bit, fine. What did you, did you say? Rat? What did you say? Rab lat. Lab rat. I was oh, like, my God. <laughs> wow, I got the mix-ups now. Yeah. You're kind of like a lab rat. Yeah. Oh, that's going to sound embarrassing. Sound that is, who cares? Um, and if it doesn't work, you go through the side effects of it and the side effects of anti-anxiety and depressive drugs suck. And mm-hmm. then you go back to the drawing board and then they're like, oh, hey, try this one. So you're like, I refuse to do that, though. I stick to one. And if it's working, that's fine. If it doesn't, then I'll just deal with it on my own because I can't deal with it. I've watched there's someone close to me that's like so messed up from just trying so many different anti-depressive uh, drugs and anxiety drugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I it's a agree. guessing game because there's no like, there's no like if you do an X-ray on someone's broken bone, you can see what's going on. Like oh yeah, we could you know like, we need to sure. throw this type of cast on and be on this this amount of weeks and you'll be good. You know, like I'm sure you can read. There's obviously you can read like brain scans and know that stuff, but there's no like. I don't think there's actually an official test. There's there there's no way that it's just based off of there's what no way you that tell there's a your test. doctor. Yeah. And then they run the list of medicines in their head and they're like, Oh, okay. Let's try this one. Let's try this one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's the side effects? Well, you might become more suicidal. See, and that's what I was about to it's say. It's like what? Well then why would you prescribe that to me? Well, you know, it does well okay, but that main well, there's I'm a feeling this way. Why would you want to risk it by making me feel even more that way? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Right. I don't know. It's just, it's really obnoxious, just like with these drugs and whatever. I mean, unfortunately, it's the world we live in. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I was just about to say something like that. Yeah. But. <sighs> but yeah, so what What do we have right now? We're at 47. Okay. So that's a pretty good amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, I know we'll probably release this probably in the next day or probably two. Probably Tuesday or Wednesday. So, I mean, this is, I mean, we're on the 11th right now mm-hmm. of November. Um, Happy Veterans Day. Thank you all for yeah. your services and continued service. Yeah. Always, we always appreciate our troops for sure. Every branch. I know everyone always makes fun of the Air Force and the Coast Guard, but 
Yeah, I mean, like, I get that's, like, a thing yeah. for them to do, but I never personally understood, and I never liked it because, yeah, like, why would you make fun of it? I mean, I get it. It might not be that as tough as yours, but it, it's still serving a purpose. Yeah, totally. So I never understood. That's, that's what I was getting at, too. Yeah. You know, I, I, all the branches, you know, not just Marines and Navy and Army, you know, mm-hmm. so. <clears throat> no, it's, it's funny because I do see, like, a lot of, like on social media, like a lot of people that are in different branches go back and tease each other. Like that, that's cool. But you know, in all seriousness, you know, they're all they're all here to protect us. So right on. That's you know, that's extremely important. Appreciate appreciate them. I know personally, I worked with the Coast Guard. Um, they're my job, and they always do an excellent job. Especially like people that, you know, for some reason decide that they try to try to kayak or canoe out to where they shouldn't and then the next thing you know you can't find them and then the coast guard finds them a little bit later <laughs> drifting out into the lake but uh <laughs> i know that uh for sure um that you know all the branches are all they're all equally as good so mm-hmm. for sure awesome so yeah all right well this has been another episode of talk matters have a great night